Cape Talk. Pippers on Twitter. You can tweet her at PJC Hudson. Well, it's time to talk cars with our motoring man, Ernest Page of changecars.co.za. Just a reminder, you're welcome to call in on 021-446-0567 or to send a voice note to 0725671567. Ask away if you're thinking of buying a vehicle, if you want some uh, information about a new model or are trying to decide between two different models, for example. We welcome that kind of question. Just a reminder, please don't ask us for valuations of vehicles, but everything else is fair game. Ernest, lovely to have you back with us after your budgetary absence last week. Welcome back. Yes, so good to be back. A lot's happened the last couple of weeks. Gosh, hasn't uh, it just? On the landscape in Cape Town, in the country. So I'm glad to be back and lots to talk about. Lots, including a whole lot of motorsport this past weekend. Ernest, did you make it to the Formula E? Unfortunately not. I gave my niece Jade and my dad, I got them tickets. Aww. But me, I had to go to the Kailami 9 Hour. I was actually working there at the Kailami 9 Hour. Okay. And I'm sad to say that I had to choose because in my mind, it's kind of unacceptable that both these events are on the same day. <laughs> but, um, you know, that is the nature of how it turned out. Hopefully next year that's not the case because I'd like to be at both. Yeah, I bet. Okay, so we've had quite a bit of feedback already from listeners about the Formula E and generally it was a great experience and everyone found it very exciting and uh, bar one or two hiccups with the food vendors, it all sounds like it went very smoothly. Was that the case at Kailami as well? Tell us a bit more about the 9R event. Oh, lots happening in Kailami. The big story is that local Sheldon van der Linde won the event, which is always nice. You know, yeah. there, there was a moment when he took the lead and the moment we crossed the finish line where you could hear the crowd going nuts. And it was very cool to see uh, uh, the unity there for South Africans to support in a world-class event a competitive South African. You know how competitive we can be when it comes to these things. And oftentimes we don't have someone flying the flag when it comes to the international level sports that's not rugby or cricket. Yeah. You know, so in this case, it was nice to see a South African world-class athlete take the win. The event itself was really well attended. There was lots happening, lots to do. I enjoyed it. Um, it's not enough cars in my mind. Again, they only had about uh, 13 entries in total. But having said that, it was a world-class field yeah. uh, because the top five were literally the, some of the best drivers in that class in the world. So from my perspective, there was a good event with a, a solid South African performance, which is always nice for Funnelinda. And uh, I look forward to next year, hopefully on a different date with more competitors. Okay, amazing. Thanks for the feedback, Ernest. And yeah, sorry you weren't at the Formula E, but as you say, hopefully next time we can get them split across separate weekends so you can be there at both. Were well, well, you yep. at the Formula E by any chance? No, so this is where I also have to concede that I gave my tickets to my husband and my son, Ernest, and they had an amazing time. So as green as I was with Envy, I was also really pleased at the bit of boy bonding that happened on Saturday. Awesome. It's, I'm okay with it, yeah. Awesome, awesome. Um, the little bit I did see on TV was amazing to watch, though, for the record. Now, okay. Okay, Ernest, let's get down to the business of the cars on the road for the normal folk right now. And you want to tell us something about the pricing of the, the VW Amarok, I believe. Yeah, the VW Amarok pricing has been released. We've been waiting for this for ages. Um, locals, uh, Capetonians, would have seen a couple driving around Cape Town. Those are the pre-launch vehicles. But finally, the pricing has been made available. And although it's not uh, as competitive as, say, it would be for the Ford, the Ford and the Amarok are not really aimed at one another, which is kind of what you can deduct from this. The entry-level uh, Amarok starts at 599000 for the 2 liter TDI, yep. uh, and then it ends all the way up at $1.105 million for the Aventura, Ooh. which is the one that I drove, which is the absolute top-spec model. 
But I do think it's less of a workhorse than the Ford and more of a stylish sort of uh, bucky. Um, that's kind of where they're aiming at. So if you look yeah. at the, the Ford pricing, $599 for the, for the Amarok base model. The Ford, you can get a Ford for four eighty six, and the top spec Ford goes for nine fifty three. So there looks like there's uh, a, between a fifty and a hundred thousand rand premium that VW owners will have to pay for the Amarok. I am again. I don't know how to predict this one. It's, mm. it's Ford and VW have had um, joint ventures in the past with the VW Charan, um, and it's worked. So I've, I've chatted. I was at the factory this week uh, chatting to um, the MD of VW South Africa, yep. um, Martina uh, Bina. And she was telling me that, you know, they've had successful joint ventures with Ford before. They suspect that this is going to be a successful venture as well. And they know that, the, you know, that this is a slightly more premium product aimed at someone that's looking for a slightly more premium product. And whether the South African market uh, accepts that, that's what we're going to see over the coming months. I mean, the South African market having to already accept the concept of a one million rand bucky, Ernest. Oh, We've yeah. spoken about that before. So, yeah, how, how far does that stretch? I wonder. Okay, so the very good looking uh, Amarok and with the price tag mm-hmm. to show for it. Um, okay, anything else you would like to like us to know about the drive quality? I mean, you've mentioned perhaps not the workhorse uh, uh, the competitors are, but anything else that stands out about the driving experience? Well, the Amarok, again, I, was, I spent some time in it this week. I did a whole tour of the VW Polo, uh, the factory where they make the Polos. Okay. Turns out 680 Polos a day. I mean, that's sure. insane. Uh, shipped all over the world, 70% of which leave the country. So our vehicle for that tour was uh, the Amarok, specifically the Panamericana, which uh, you can get for under a million. If you're looking at the top, one of the top spec ones, you can get that one for 987 in two liter four. And at the interiors, Super nice. It's very cool feeling, Bucky. I felt very cool driving it. And I do think there is a market for a million rand Bucky. Um, we've seen the Raptors, which is also close to that price range. Um, you know, the Raptor, when it came out, everybody says it's going to be so expensive, etc. And it was. But South Africans want the best Bucky that money can buy. That's kind of the culture. Yeah. I, I'm interested to see. I don't want to make a prediction, but let's see how the next couple of months play out. We'll watch this space. Okay, thanks for the update, Ernest. We are talking cars with Ernest Page. If you've got a question for him, the number to dial is 021-446-0567. You can also send a voice note to 0725671567. Interesting question in from Keith with not a huge amount of detail, Ernest, but it opens up an interesting broad conversation that I think we can have. Keith is in the market for a car. He says, I want to buy myself an automatic. Family members are telling me I'll just have problems. He's looking at a Toyota Camry 2020, I believe. What I want ah, to know from your okay, car so expert we've is... Got, we've got the name of the car, which is, which is nice. Yeah, the Toyota Camry. So he's basically looking for pros and cons of manual versus automatic, and especially any comments around the difference in fuel consumption, Ernest. Yeah, so back in the day, the, the automatic was always much, much heavier on petrol than the manual equivalent. But yeah. that has changed over time. And, you know, when you look at um, the way the gearbox technology has improved over the years, nowadays with CVT gearboxes, specifically CVT gearboxes, you could get better fuel economy with a CVT gearbox, which is the one that, that, that it's a belt, basically. It's a belt-driven okay. gearbox, not a traditional automatic gearbox. So there are ways to get better fuel economy with an automatic on certain cars. Suzuki is another good example. 
They've got the manual gearbox in, in, their, in their range of cars, but they've also got what's called an AMT gearbox, which is an automated manual transmission. So it's also a manual gearbox, but it drives like an automatic. So you get sort of that experience that is available with certain cars where the fuel consumption isn't a problem. Okay. Now, when it comes to something like a Camry, um, he's more than likely going to be looking at an older model. I'm trying to find when the Camry was made till in South Africa, but I don't think there's a 2020 specific Camry model, but probably a slightly older one. Okay. And then when you look at older cars, that is a concern. That is a very real concern with an older automatic. Uh, I would do specific research on that car if you're looking at, at an older automatic because, yes, if you're looking at a car from the 2000s, I would say, to 2010, there you could find a, a very sluggish automatic gearbox. And if you need to fix the gearbox, it's difficult to find expertise on certain gearboxes because right. the older gearboxes are actually quite complicated. So to repair them, many people actually just convert it to a manual then versus trying to repair an automatic gearbox. Oh, really? I had a problem with my 90s BMW many years ago where I tried to fix the gearbox and we couldn't get it fixed properly and nowadays my friends will tell me what we would have done then is just replace the gearbox with the manual gearbox. Hmm. So there are certain cars where it's much, much better to go with manual. I would say generally uh, it would be with the older cars where it's going to be better to go with the manual gearbox. But if you're looking at anything after 2010, anything from 2010 and up, I think there are plenty, plenty automatic gearboxes that give decent fuel economy. But it's a really one-to-one sort of situation where narrow it down to a specific car, Mm -hmm. narrow it down to a specific model, and then do the diversions on that model because each one's going to be different depending on how old it is. Thank you so much for the feedback. And Keith, I hope that's helpful in making your decision uh, and uh, settling your family's minds for you (laughs) and putting them at ease as well. All right, our next question um, has come through via voice note. Let's take a listen. Hi, Ernest. Is the Suzuki Espresso Auto, would that be a good buy as a city runabout? There we go. An auto Suzuki Espresso. Ernest, what do you think? There you go. So the Suzuki Espresso, again, comes with the AMT gearbox, which is the automated manual transmission. Now, to be honest, I have never driven, by my record, I don't think I've ever driven the Espresso uh, automatic, the AMT gearbox. But I have experienced the Suzuki AMT. Now, if you ask any motoring journalist, they'll tell you, oh, just give us the trash or whatever. But I don't always take motoring journalists' uh, word for these things. I know <laughs> someone that actually bought a Suzuki, uh, the t- one of the teeny tiny Suzuki's, it wasn't the Espresso, AMT. Mm-hmm. And they loved it. They thought there was nothing wrong with the gearbox. You've just got to time the gearbox properly when you get back on the power, the way you brake, but it's something that one would get used to very, very easily. I think as a small car, the Suzuki range of cars, auto gearbox, is probably one of the better options, even though it's not a a CDT and it's not a traditional auto. As far as that AMT gearbox goes for someone that's new to the market that wants a small car, that wants fuel economy, you get all of those things. And you get, in my mind, a decent gearbox for, for the money. So, yes, I would recommend the Suzuki AMT gearbox. 
Thank you for that. Uh, voice notes to 0725671567. Or you can tweet your question at Cave Talk or at PJC Hudson. Okay, and um, question coming in about, uh, I think a car we might have been talking about a couple of weeks ago, the Mercedes GLA. Somebody's thinking of buying an older model, saying, is it worth buying at about three years old? Mercedes GLA. So if you're looking at three years old, we're looking at the 2018 model. And ooh, the 2018 GLA, now if you look at Mercedes build quality, they have had some build quality issues in that period. So that's something I would definitely look into. Okay. The GLA is a very stylish car. Uh, it's got a lot of tech um, and it doesn't, however, have the space that some other cars might have. So if you're looking for something stylish that's different, um, I think you're going to get that with the GLA. Uh, if you're looking for something that has a lot of space in the inside, I think you might not get that with GLA. What I also would look at is the resale value of that GLA because I would imagine, um, and again, I'll need to do more research on this for a more thorough answer, but I would imagine the resale value of this one wouldn't be that great. So you could potentially get a new de- a good deal for that car because there's not going to be that many. If I, look, if I go online and have a mm-hmm. quick look, I see a 2017 model going for 449000 And then I see a brand new one going for about a million. So uh, 2021 model year is going for eight ninety nine. So from 2017 to 2021, there's a 500,000 rand difference. Yes, it's a newer model. So there does seem to be a massive hit of depreciation on that yeah. in the beginning. And that might be a good thing because that means that if you're going to buy a 2017 model, you could save yourself quite a fair bit of money. So, yeah, I, I, I need to do more research on this one before I recommend it. But it's always uh, possible with a luxury brand like this that where that model is not specifically very popular. It's always possible to get massive savings on that initial depreciation hit after about five years. Okay, thank you for that and good luck to the questioner. I think we've got time to squeeze in a caller. James is on the line from Simonstown with a question. Good afternoon, James. Good afternoon. I, in a hurry, bought a Suzuki Splash a few months ago. I've never heard of it, but it seemed an ideal tall car, a bit like a a, a fat Ignis, but taller and a a more sloped screen like an old Mercedes pocket uh, car. Uh, what happened to the Splash? Why did it never take off? Mm, Suzuki Splash, I haven't even, even driven one yet. I see there's a couple for sale. Uh, 2016, 2015, that's when they would have made it. Um, yeah. This does look like one of the cars that Suzuki would have had a deal with, probably Maruti, if I'm not mistaken. Um, let me have a look at that quickly. Maruti Splash. Yeah, so what happened was Suzuki uh, has got deals with various uh, manufacturers, including a company called Maruti, where they get cars from them and then rebrand them. Um, the Splash, according to my research here, it's below the Swift uh, with a sh- slightly shortened wheelbase of the Swift as well. Um, it's very popular in Japan, and yes, I see here, it's released in India as the Suzuki Maruti Ritz. Huh. So, yeah, they sold a lot of them by the looks of things in Indonesia and in India, but not very many in South Africa, and it was discontinued. So, I don't have much experience with this car, um, so I can't say for sure. What has your experience been with the car so far? 
Well, I, I dropped from a 2.5 engine car to a 1.2, but this, this thing is very perky and it's tall. I'm a tall guy, so it's mm. got a very lot of headroom. It looks from the back like a fat Ignis and from the front like a Mercedes um, pocket uh, uh, car of about 10 years ago. Well, it, it looks like it was actually replaced by the Ignis. So this is the car that the Ignis actually replaced. But ah. I don't think it was very popular here in South Africa. And they didn't make, excuse the pun, as much of a splash as they did with the <laughs> Suzuki Ignis. By the looks of things. So basically, it does look like uh, you're driving the old Ignis. And I mean, if you're happy with the car and you're happy with the engine... Then I mean, then, then there shouldn't be any issues. You you are quite, by the sound of things, quite happy with the car. Yeah, it, it's much bigger than the Ignis, much more headroom, and uh, I, really, I I think that it's it's quite a unique style. You if, once you see a splash, you won't confuse it with anything else. <laughs> James nice. making a splash wherever he goes in that car. I know what he means. I've just googled it to call up the pictures, and it's got that sort of. Tilted in back, um, I don't know how to describe it, uh, Ernest, my, my car technology fail, <laughs> vocab fails me, <laughs> but, it, but it's sloped. sloped, thank you, sloped yeah. sort of inward um, in, into the boot area, it's quite a quite a unique mm. look, certainly from the back. So I haven't seen many, yeah. very, very many of these around, it's got the, the same VVT engine, the 1.2 VVT engine, as available in most other Suzuki's, it's got the same chassis as uh, the Suzuki Swift just shortened. So it's got all the Suzuki ingredients that have made the other car successful. So again, if you're happy with the car, then enjoy it. And enjoy driving it safely. James and Simon Sound, thanks for your call. And Ernest Page, as always, great to have you on the show today. Thanks for helping our listeners with their uh, motoring decisions. We'll chat again next week. Awesome. Thanks so much for having me, Papa. Drive safely in the meantime, please. Ernest Page of changecars.co.za.